So I was having an, an argument or spirited debate with a Presbyterian uh, minister, friend of mine, and uh, he asked me if someone waded into the baptistry up to their waist, would that be enough water? And I said no. And he said, well, what if you got them up to their neck? Would that be enough? And I said no. And he said, well, what if you got them up to their eyeballs? Would that be enough? And I said no. It's immersion. And he said, see, it's the water on the top of the head that matters. To which my response was, that's a bad joke and bad theology. Welcome to Historical Baptist FC, life and ministry from a historical Baptist perspective. I'm Robert Klotz, senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Talladega, Alabama. And I'm Heath Walton, associate pastor of First Baptist Church. So Robert, as always, number one, that air conditioner is loud. And number two, what does the FC stand for? Fully covered. Fully covered. We're going to be talking about baptism, and that means baptism by immersion. The goal of today is to talk about uh, the next Baptist distinctive. We haven't done one of those in a while, but the next Baptist distinctive, as we're spelling out Baptists, is T, which stands for, this first T stands for two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We'll see how far we get. We might get to both. We might just get to one and and make this two episodes. Um, We'll just have to see. But we're going to start with talking about baptism today. You a big fan of of baptism? Big fan of baptism. I'm a Baptist. Yeah, we sort of named ourselves after, uh, you know, as a denomination after uh, this particular ordinance. We do believe, of course, that there are two ordinances given to us by Jesus himself, um, that these ordinances are ordained of Christ uh, f- means that they are intended for our regular practice and obedience to him um, for the purpose of both faithfulness and sanctification. That's what we mean by an ordinance. Um, we also, of course, from the top, want to distinguish between ordinances and sacraments. As Baptists, again, we observe two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We do not observe any sacraments. Uh, a, that critical difference in sacraments would be um, practiced by the Roman Catholic Church uh, who would partake of the sacraments. We believe that the ordinances are means by which we are edified, encouraged, taught, and sanctified. They're, in other words, means by which we remember and proclaim. We remember what Christ has done, we proclaim what he has done, uh, and we do so until he comes again. Sacraments are very different in that theologically sacraments are believed to be the means by which a person receives the grace of God. And so we don't believe that you receive God's grace either in baptism or in the Lord's Supper. We believe that these are ordinances that having received the grace of God, we now practice these in obedience for our edification and sanctification, uh, etc. Anything else you want to add to that before we jump into what these are? That sounded pretty good. Okay, so let's talk about baptism. I'll read from the Baptist Faith and Message first. I see you turning pages over there, so I anticipate that you've got a lot more to read from. Uh, But the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 says this about baptism. Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is an act of obedience, symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior, the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a testimony to his faith in the uh, to the, excuse me to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead being a church ordinance it is prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the lord's supper you're over there laughing because the chimes are going i'm over here getting hungry because it's chiming nine o'clock which means as you know it's banana o'clock and i That's didn't bring my banana still ridiculous it's the chimes ended. The chimes are also way off because it's at least a quarter after nine. We are 15 minutes after nine and they just went off. Um, 
Sorry, I did not expect that. Gotta fix that. What, rip the clock off the wall? <laughs> or, or you know, dial it 15 minutes yeah, ahead. That's, that's probably less aggressive. All right, so uh, Christian baptism. First of all, we do believe in baptism by immersion. So some there are some clear things in that definition of baptism in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 that we believe to be true about baptism. First, it's baptism, baptism by immersion. Um, secondly, it's baptism of believers. Thirdly, it is done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then fourth, it is an act of obedience. It is symbolic, uh, and it symbolizes several things. So um, let's talk first about uh, immersion. Uh, The Greek word uh, baptizo literally means to immerse or to dip or to wash. Um, So we believe immersion to be uh, consistent, first of all, with the biblical language, uh, and second of all, with the biblical examples uh, that we have. Uh, all, all the evidence in New Testament baptism would be that they would be by immersion, not by any other method. So we do believe that to be critical um, to baptism. Now, this is another thing where you know I've gotten in trouble before for saying things like this, but let's be perfectly clear. We're Baptists because we believe this is right and everyone else is wrong. And that's a, a mean way to say it, but it is what we believe as Baptists. We're Baptists we talked about in the last episode about first and second tier issues. This is clearly a second tier issue. It for us is worth dividing denominations over. We believe that baptism is by immersion when done biblically. Uh, And so those those denominations that don't believe that, uh, we believe they're still Christian denominations, but we do believe they're doing it incorrectly. They're doing it wrong. Yes. Nothing else you want to say? All right, so immersion not only follows the biblical example and our understanding of the biblical languages, it also provides the best picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Mm -hmm. Um, As as we're talking about, it's symbolism, and it's serving as an example, um, as, as a testimony, an outward testimony to the congregation that is there gathered in the local church to witness that baptism. It is immersion that best pictures death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is also immersion that best pictures our identifying with Christ by faith, ourselves now dying to sin and being raised to new life in Christ. So that picture is best demonstrated um, also by immersion. So Yeah, and so um, James Boyce, who's one of the founders of Southern, uh, actually has in the back of his Abstract of Systematic Theology a, a catechism of Bible doctrine. Um, and he simply says that, you know, what is baptism? It's the, the immersion of the body in water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, what does the act of immersion represent? The union of the believer with Christ in his death. Uh, and so we, we see it as representing a burial uh, of sorts. And so we, we do believe that that is the acceptable, the acceptable mode of baptism. So in chapter 29 of the Baptist Confession of Faith from 1689, uh, number four under chapter nine on baptism says immersion or dipping of the person in water is necessary to the due administration of this ordinance. Again, meaning we do believe it is absolutely necessary for a biblical baptism to be a baptism by immersion. Now, um, I, I think that there are probably times when, when we might say extenuating circumstances would allow That's for what another I was about mode. To ask is what do you do with the, uh, the what aboutisms, the what ifs? I, I think that, um, I think that, like, what I, do you do if I've, someone's allergic to water? I've, well, first of all, that's not a thing. Um, I don't think anyone is allergic to dihydrogen monoxide, or they would be dead. It composes the majority of the body. But um, 
Uh, he took chemistry. Everybody knows what dihydrogen monoxide is. H2O. H2O. There you go. Please don't <laughs> quote the water boy on our podcast. Oh, my goodness. We do not. Historical Baptist FC does not endorse the viewing of that film. Mythical decline. Uh, please stop. <laughs> okay. Um, again, Historical Baptist FC does not endorse. <laughs> okay. Um, I forget even what I was talking about. Oh, so um, so someone with a deathbed conversion who then wants to be baptized, but you know they can't leave their deathbed, that sort of thing. I forget what philosopher said it, but there's basically a rule now that exceptions prove a rule, not vice versa. That if you yeah. have exceptions to a rule philosophically, it proves the rule. It doesn't. It doesn't prove by the by the fact that there are exceptions that the rule doesn't work. It proves that the rule is a thing. The very fact that there would have to be exceptions. So I think the fact that there are exceptions proves that immersion should be the rule. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how often those exceptions are used to try to disprove a rule, and it's just a. Um, it's just not good argument, if that if that makes sense. It's just not good arguing. Uh, There's some some fallacies there. So yeah. Um, so the second thing is mm-hmm. that we believe in believers' baptism. We do. That is that baptism is not done as the act of conversion, but as a matter of obedience following one's conversion. That someone needs to be a believer when they get baptized. They don't become a believer as they get baptized. They don't get baptized as a promise that they will one day become a believer. Excuse me, a believer. They get baptized having trusted in Christ as as we say when we baptize here as an outward expression of that inward decision of faith. So can I ask the the straw man question? So people say I have a feeling you're the, going to in the Bible, right? In the Bible um, he and his entire household were baptized. How do you handle that? Man, you came out of nowhere. I feel like if we were going to talk about, you know, the role of fathers in the family, and like I feel like we've got a separate episode about that. Um, I mean, my simple definition would would be, um, you know, that they're not saved by proxy, but that the father in the non-included narrative d- details, the father goes home and shares the gospel with his family, and they too believe, so they're all baptized. So the thing that, that you know, it lines up with that is, let's say with the Philippian jailer, right? So um, he was told how to believe the gospel, how to be saved. He said, you do this, and you will be saved, and you and your entire household. And so I am taking that as just what you said. The entire household comes to believe and are baptized. Now, they, um, the argument for an infant baptism in that is that there's no foundation for it. You cannot find anywhere in Scripture for the argument of a an infant baptism. Uh, and I do understand that there's different views on covenants and different views on, um, you know, circumcision being replaced with this and all that. But, but the biblical text points you at every turn to a believer's baptism and to a baptism by immersion every time. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Um, That's my five minutes. Back to you, Robert. Um. I'm checking my notes here. I think you pretty much covered everything I wanted to say in that section. Um, 
If I had a copy of the notes, I wouldn't jump ahead. Yeah, I mean, everywhere, again, as you said, everywhere where Scripture teaches on baptism, where we have pictures of baptism, examples of baptism, or teachings on baptism, uh, it follows conversion. Yes, every time. And, and again, I realize that there are entire denominations who base their entire theology of baptism on an infant baptism, um, but I'm Baptist because I don't see it. And I think they're wrong. So. Had, to, had to throw that in there. Huh? <laughs> Always. Just real quick. Okay. Um, again, it's an act of obedience symbolizing uh, Christ's sacrifice and our faith in it. Um, as, as we said a minute ago, we don't believe that baptism is a means by which people are saved. It's not the conveying of Greece, of grace, of grace upon a lost person. <laughs> not enough coffee yet this morning. Uh, it's it's not the means of conveying that grace to a lost person. It's the demonstration of the faith of a believer in Jesus Christ. So then, uh, this necessitates that we believe infant baptism to be an unbiblical practice and in error. Baptism is done as a, a symbol of faith that has occurred, not as a promise of faith to come, nor as an act of faith happening in the moment uh, nor as a, a conveying of grace sort of in the sacramental style uh, upon the person in that moment. And so all those theological reasons that this would be a demonstration of a faith that has happened um, means that, again, infant baptism is, is out the window. We, we don't, I, I don't believe that there are any uh, biblical examples of it. I, I think you're jumping through hoops if you find them. Um, but then also just theologically... If baptism is what we believe it to be, um, then it, 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 it has to be believers, not, not infants. So then let's, let's talk about this as well. Just very shortly, you don't have to go too deep into this. So I don't figure we have too many listeners who actually believe this, but um, while we do believe in baptizing only the regenerate, what, how do you handle someone asking about baptismal regeneration? about being saved by baptism. I mean, because they'll, they'll reference Acts where uh, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the main text. And I, I have a thought on that, but I'd like to hear what your well, response is. Well, I think is. on that text, my response is simply, Jesus said the same thing, that you make disciples and, and you baptize them, that that should immediately follow. I, I, I don't think that our general waiting period in Baptist life, I don't think that's done by necessity. I think it's done just as a matter of we got to fill the baptistry up sometime and we've got to gather the church together. Mm -hmm. But I also know that there are churches who they're always ready for baptisms. They, they yeah. fill up, and I think that that's fine. I think, I think it's a wonderful thing, um, and I have nothing against, and I'm, you know, I, I'm all for a baptism Sunday where there are people who come and get saved that day and they're baptized immediately. I, I don't, and there too, I don't think there's a necessary waiting period. But at the same time, what you're doing in that moment is you're professing the faith that, you know, th that you have. You're, it's, it's no convening of grace in baptism. It is still that public profession of, of repenting and believing that is demonstrated in baptism even if it's only three minutes apart as opposed to a week. 
Um, I, I think that that's just that waiting period is not a necessity. It, it's just a thing that happens in Baptist life because we're operating from Sunday to Sunday. But I, I you know, I, I think certainly, um, you know, the account of, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, behold, here is water, why not be baptized, is the same kind of thing. If you've got the baptistry full already and somebody gets saved at your service, behold, here is water, why wait, let's go. I mean, baptize them. If you've got them, if you've got them a change of clothes or they don't mind going home wet, like baptism right you know baptism right then you just reminded me of the my my pastor as a child in mississippi um every time he would baptize someone he would say that after uh so i would you know i got baptized i left the baptistry he stayed there for a few more seconds and he took a handful of that water and just held it up and said see here's water what prevents you from being baptized yeah and i've i even saw a pastor um on on instagram a couple days ago, talking about this coming Sunday, they're they're having they've got several scheduled baptisms. But that if you come that day and you you know you've become a believer and you feel the Lord is is you know you want to be obedient in believers' baptism, you don't have to call ahead and schedule. You you show up ready and and you know you can you can be baptized. Behold, here is water. What prevents you? I, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so my thought on the the whole baptismal regeneration thing, using that Acts verse specifically. Is repentance takes what? I mean, it requires faith, correct? So, repentance is is a you know a Holy Spirit born sorrow over sin, where you turn away from your sinful life and you turn Christward. And so, I believe that that is faith preceding baptism. So it's a, it's a trusting and then obeying. Um, and so, I, I you know. We do not believe in baptismal regeneration. Some some may argue that they think we do, but we do not. We do not believe that you are saved by the waters of baptism. We do believe that's a first step of obedience as a believer, uh, but is not saving. So I got here before you did. I'm surprised you went to Acts instead of 1 Peter 3. So now I get to ask you the hard question and Yay. watch you squirm. Uh, 1 Peter three twenty one baptism which corresponds to this now saves oh, yeah. you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So can we ask the big question? Does that not teach baptismal regeneration? Baptism which corresponds to this now saves you. What is the context of the verse? Well, it would be verses nineteen and twenty. Well, no. I, what's the wide context of the verse? I'm verses, not even looking at a Bible right now. Verses eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. <laughs> sure. Hold on. What did you say it was? Here, I got it. First, okay. First Peter so three twenty one. Peter three twenty one. I don't know why you still don't bring your Bible to this. I'm on the computer, hitting buttons and things. All right. So for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is to the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So what we have here and is a And that, friends, is why a lot of Baptist pastors have not preached expositorily through First Peter. Oh, well. That, so here's the you point. have to deal with that passage. So, so let's, is, let's deal is with a, it. This is a very difficult passage, but what you have to do with a difficult passage is not avoid it you and also not isolate it. 
So that's the other big thing is you can't isolate this one verse. As but is being, this the episode on preaching? Or? Yeah. You can't isolate this one verse and build your whole theology off that one verse. You have to look at the wide range of Scripture to see what it is saying. Um, and so I do not believe this to be about baptismal regeneration in this sense of it actually brings the grace of Jesus Christ to you. Uh, it's still in Christ. It's talking about that. It's still in Christ that we are saved. But this does bring up a question for me um, that applies to believers is, is baptism important? Um, because there are some people who take it as a kind of a, I can do that if I choose to or not thing, but I don't believe that's so. Um, and I'm not dancing around here. I'm just saying I don't believe that to be about baptismal regeneration because I've read the rest of the scripture. Uh, there may be some aspects of this I don't quite comprehend, but scripture testifies that baptism does not save you. No, but I, I, I think, I think that this passage in First Peter does lend itself to, I, I think, the second argument you're alluding to, which is how necessary is baptism. And again, yes. I think this is another example where exceptions prove the rule. So you go to thief on the cross. Again, the he's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I think that the thrust of First Peter three would say. Uh, you know, even backing up to verse 20, because formerly they did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water, verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now mm-hmm. saves you. That That's not talking about baptism regeneration, but it is talking about the necessity of baptism. Yeah. That that obedience to Christ has this important spiritual significance, again, in your edification, in your sanctification, in the public proclamation of, of your repentance and faith. Um, so I, I think that that while, while this passage, we would say, doesn't prove baptismal regeneration, you've got to look at the whole context of Scripture. What it does do is show the necessity of believers' baptism. As does Peter when right. he when he in Acts, when he says right. repent and be baptized, he's not saying be saved by your baptism, but he is saying be baptized. The two are linked together, not in terms of the baptism accomplishing the salvation, but in terms of the baptism proclaiming the salvation, um, which which is the first step in obedience. So when Jesus says... Um, you know, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, yeah. the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. You know, we talk, I mean, the the whole thrust of the discipleship movement was that we had neglected part of the Great Commission, right? We were evangelizing, yeah. we were seeking conversions, but we weren't teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Well, there's also a command that comes between those two, right? So making a disciple faithfully, yes, means you have to evangelize and disciple, but let's not also neglect that other command, which is to baptize them, not so that they will be saved, but but having been saved, those two commands are important, baptize them and disciple them. Yeah, and so what what we've effectively turned things into is, you know, lead them to the Lord, and then, hey, you should think about baptism. Yeah. Uh, and And sort of, you know, I don't want to push you. I don't want to force you. I don't want to do any of these things, but you should you should consider baptism. Well, the reality is that the Bible tells you to be baptized. And so if you're going to be discipling people well, you need to tell them, now you need to be baptized as a believer. Uh, and so if anybody gets anything out of this today, um, not only do we not believe in baptismal regeneration, but we do believe in the necessity of baptism. If you are 
someone who has professed faith in Christ who truly believes and you have not been baptized, you need to be baptized. You still, you still got that uh, thing scrolled out far enough that we're still recording? Then? Oh, yeah, we're good. Okay. How long have we been going? Can you tell? I don't have a time stamp. I have a measure stamp. Okay. Well, the 9 o'clock chimes went off at 9.15. So I think we probably got time to do the Lord's Supper, but not to do the Lord's Supper, but to talk about the Lord's Supper. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me go get our little Lord's Lunchables things, and um, we'll, we'll take care of that right but now. But let's... Uh, COVID communion. Let me ask this question. Should baptism by immersion be a prerequisite for church membership? Yes, uh, I do believe so because, um, I mean, number one, we're Baptists. But, uh, you know, our statement of faith, we're very clear that that is what we believe to be acceptable baptism according with Scripture. Uh, We believe that that mode is the only acceptable mode with, of course, the exception rule thing you were talking about. But we believe that to be the only acceptable mode. And so when someone says they want to come and join and be a part of a Baptist church, uh, and they have not been baptized in that way, we would require them to do that because we do believe it to be necessary. Um, I, I also think that this goes into our doctrine of church membership, where we believe that only believers are genuine church members, yes. and, and that the public means you have for discerning whether or not someone is a believer is whether they have whether they have the fruit of conversion in their lives. And one of, you know, I apologize for using the term first fruits because I don't, you know, I mean, that's used in Scripture, so I don't, you know, I don't want to... But some of the first fruits that are born of obedience and faithfulness in Christ are is obedience to that first command yes. to be baptized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that public demonstration of their conversion uh, becomes a clear evidence that their conversion is genuine because they're willing to be obedient to Christ immediately um, with with baptism, with obedience to that first command. Um, so, so let's take it to a practical realm here in, in the church uh, for pastors who may be listening so that you can get a feel for what you should do. Um, robes or waiters or both? Uh, I wear both. Um, I haven't always. In the last church I was in, I just jumped in in khakis and a polo. And oh, you actually did khakis and polo. And so bare, yeah, I had a I had a pair of designated khakis your because ba- your baptism. Yeah, khakis? because they were like two sizes too big because the hot water would like shrink them up instantly. <laughs> so I had oversized khakis I'd wear. But yeah, I I just at the time I wore cowboy boots every Sunday. I kick off the cowboy boots and socks and just, just jump in. in. Yeah, well, I've gotten in in shorts and a t-shirt. I've gotten in in just camo waders at a church like. Uh, felt like I was going on a moonwalk uh, in some giant camo waders, um, much bigger than the ones we used the other day when we went fishing. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think. Um, I, I mean, again, I, I wear waders with a robe over top right now. And I've done the robe over the top of the camo waders, and the camo bled through the white rope. I, I, I don't think I, I don't think one is better than the other. I understand the reason for both. Um, the uh, the robe, uh, of course, the the waiters are just for practical purposes because you want to get you know you want to get back into the service yeah. as quickly as possible. You don't but have to every, change your, every all your clothes. single time. My sleeves get wet. Oh, my sleeves get wet too. Every I haven't time. figured out how to roll it up high enough to not get the sleeve wet. My but, arms are too fat to roll it up high enough <laughs> to get the water off of it. Um, but you know, I, I think that having the robe shows the significance and the weightiness of the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a perfectly fine reason to wear the robes. I I don't like. I know that there are some guys who roll their eyes at the baptismal robes. I think it's fine. I think again, it it shows we t- we take this very seriously. Um, 
we don't believe it to be a sacrament, but we do believe this to be, in a sense, a, a holy, a holy moment, moment, a holy mm-hmm. thing. Uh, so we want to treat that with reverence. I think the robes communicate that. At the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with not using the robe. I think, you know, just jumping in uh, demonstrates the accessibility. Behold, here is water. Mm-hmm. Why? Why not? Yeah, Philip didn't run around going, "Oh no, I can't find my white robe." Right. So I, I think that both are good things. I think communicating the accessibility is a fine thing to do. I think communicating the holiness of the moment is also a fine thing to do. Um, and, and I don't think that there's... Running water or not running water? I mean, I think ours is technically running because there's a slow leak in the drain. Yeah. Uh, so a little, <laughs> so bit's, either way. A little bit's running out at a time. But, uh, you know. I'm not going to lie. I would love to do a creek baptism, but I would also want to stay in and go fishing afterwards. But, you know. That's just a preference thing. All right. Anything else on baptism? I think we're good. You want to do Lord's Supper, or you want to save that for another episode? Um, I don't know how long we've gone today. Well, let's just go for it. Uh, Baptist Faith and Message 2000 says, The Lord's Supper is a symbolic act of obedience whereby members of the church, through partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, memorialize the death of the Redeemer and anticipate his second coming. You know, now that I read that, maybe we should wait. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? There's a lot there. This is a teaser for the next episode of, what are we called? <laughs> Historical Baptist FC. Tune in next time. Actually, we can. If you if you want to call it a day, we can call it a day right now, and then we can record another shorter episode. I just smacked my mic stand. Shorter episode, and then we can have multiple episodes, which is something we've been accused of not having. Yeah, except now, all, since you said that, all the listeners are going to know that all we did to have more content is to hit stop and record again. and <laughs> Bringing more content to you on Historical Baptist FC. So what they're probably going to do is press stop and then hit play again on so the next one. have a great day. We love you. <laughs>